Now is the time to reinforce your bowling arsenal, and BowlerX.com is the online leader in price, service, and selection, with free insured shipping on every item we carry, including a complete line of Pro Shop supplies, as well as balls, bags, shoes, accessories, and more. Also, check out the large selection of closeout and discontinued items at a fraction of their original cost. BowlerX.com, your online bowling superstore and proud sponsor of Above180.com. You can hear Above 180 on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Kindle Fire, and beyond, on demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg is ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, here's your host, Tim Berg. Joining us today on the Above180.com podcast is Rick Benoit. Rick is the president of Bowl U, which for more on Bowl U, check out BowlU.com. Lots of great info there. And uh, Rick also obviously was out on the PBA and also with Brunswick. So, Rick, I want to thank you for joining me today. Well, thanks for having me, Tim. Enjoyed being here. Well, Rick, you come to me all the way from Saudi Arabia. So let's talk about just kind of that whole process because you were doing some coaching with Bowl U. I went and saw you at uh, Brian Smith Center up in Roseburg, Oregon last summer. And you had mentioned you had this unique opportunity, but let's kind of fill in the listeners on how things are going over there and what you're actually doing in Saudi Arabia. Well, you know, to make it short, I am the national coach for the for uh, Saudi Arabia. Uh, and I came here with, you know, uh, after being in Colombia and the coach there for almost four years. And before that, I think everybody knows me from being on the PBA tour for 15 years. But I left the tour and I left Brunswick simply because I had a passion and I had a dream and I had felt a responsibility to share what I had gained through the years. And that's where Bowl U came about. And though I've traveled around the world, Bowl U is at the foundation of everything I do. So my time in Saudi Arabia, while I am the national team uh, coach, I certainly am still heavily involved with the activities of Bowl U. Well, and, and stateside, there's a lot of news going on, and there's still that kind of negative connotation sometimes associated with bowling. I, I'm, I'm curious, how is it overseas bowling in Saudi Arabia? Is it, is it the same? Is there, are there your negative Nancys, or is it um, just a completely different mindset? You know, the, the bowling world is, is pretty close-knit. I think, uh, you know, what you're feeling in the United States is felt to some extent everywhere in the world. My experiences here in Saudi Arabia, when I came here, the bowlers that were part of the national team six, seven years ago had quit. They quit bowling entirely. Well, they, they had a new president here. His name is Prince Hakim. He's actually a good friend of ours, and that's how I wound up over here. And Prince Hakim became the president, and I came over as the coach, and it's unbelievable, the complete turnaround. So a change at the top can certainly affect the bottom. And um, the attitudes here are unbelievable. It's just, uh, 
you know, all of those players have come back. We just had a tournament, a team tournament that had no prize fund. All the players had to pay their own expenses. And we had a hundred bowlers coming from all around the country. Uh, so that's just an example of, of how of the turnaround here in Saudi Arabia. So it's been fantastic. Well, no negative things going on here. Well, and, and like, Rick, let's talk about some of the changes that uh, have taken place over the last year with Bowl U. Because I know when I came up there, like I mentioned earlier, it was like you were kind of the main driving force behind that. You had a lot of really cool drills, a lot of um, people that helped you out. You worked with people from the centers and such. But talk about how that is, uh, how the growth has came of that because of the increased popularity and demand. Well, the, the phases of, of this have been were developed, you know, many years ago, clear back to you know a year or so before I left Brunswick. And and to me, the marketing arm of our sport are the coaches. So I needed to introduce the concepts, uh, which I did. I needed to have a home base, which to me was the internet. So I created BowlU.com. From there, I knew the next thing I needed to do was get in touch with the bowlers in different parts of the of the world, not just the United States. So I created little pockets around the world. Uh, we narrowed that down to the United States. I decided that I would do one camp in each PBA region. I'm a big fan of the PBA, uh, and I, I firmly believe in its direction and its goals, but I wanted to link with them and try to challenge people to come out and see a new way of, of learning. I believe the next revolution in our sport is how we teach it. And I wanted to share that with everybody. And I did that. And there was a lot of excitement. And uh, coaches, well-known coaches, wanted to know more about it. So I had a certification opportunity for them at a PBA event. Uh, with the whole plan all along was when I reach one coach, I'm touching 30 to 200 individual bowlers. So uh, I was very fortunate in the number of uh, coaches, the quality of the coaches that showed up at this certification camp. And those coaches are now expanding in their territories. So it's all been part of the growth plan, and that's the training activities. The next thing we'll introduce are competition activities. Well, excellent. And I know, speaking of competition, one of the things that we, that here in the States and the USBC and league members are always trying to work on, and this is where we kind of hit, hit a little bit of a nerve last time when we had you on, is we talked about how to get that recreational bowler to bowl more leagues. And I think if if, um, if we knew the answer to that, the USBC would certainly be willing to, to bend an ear and listen. But you don't think that that necessarily is the best way to go. We just need to keep people bowling. Is that correct? That's exactly correct. I think the USBC has its responsibility, and I think they need to be aware of, and I think the, the bowlers need to be aware of that what keeps the USBC flowing is the, the income that they make and they need that. And if they try to get too heavily involved in the sports side, uh, the recreational side tends to be affected. We need USBC to focus on the recreation side. That's where their money comes from. We need them to bring bowlers into the sport, not fix the sport. Well, and, and you and have... I firmly believe that. 
we we had um, not too long ago. We had the Go Bowling 400, the NASCAR race, which everyone would say sponsored and such. And that was the whole the whole concept of that is to reach people that maybe only bowl, you know, once a year or twice a year. I know there was a great speech at Bowl Expo where it talked about how many people and the number escapes me, but it talks about everyone that bowls once a year. If we could get them to bowl twice a year or three times a year, just think of how much our sport would grow. So they're trying to do that, but then you also hear criticisms of saying, look. Instead of spending all this money on this NASCAR race to have the naming rights to it, why not put that back into the sport in other ways? Well, you, you've got to work both directions. But first of all, you've got to separate them. You have to separate recreation from sport. All successful sports have a successful recreation at its foundation. So you've got to work in both directions. It's not one or the other. You've got to work in both directions. And then you've got to have a person, the right person, the right organization in control of those initiatives. And that's really where our problems are is structure. I believe in the people at USBC. I know they're hard workers. I know them individually. I know they're intelligent. But the structure is what's wrong. There's nobody dedicated to filling the gap between recreation bowling and the elite level, which is the PBA. And my belief is we just need to fill that position. And if, if you really want to know what I feel like I'm doing, not necessarily what I'm doing, but what I feel like I'm doing is filling that void with ball U. Rick, is it is the PBA, I mean, the PBA has the, the elitist, you know, the most elite bowlers in the country in most cases. There are some guys who just say, look, I'm not going to get my card because then I lose out of X tournament, Y tournament, and so on. But even the way of the PBA, it's, it's, it's really challenging to make a living of it out there unless you're, say, the Jason Belmontes, the Sean Rashes, and even those guys have other, um, you know, other things that they're involved in, other uh, sorts of projects and other things they're working on from coaching to you know, going around and doing camps and stuff. So the PBA, you mentioned, and, and uh, how, how do you see that going, and where do we go with the PBA to keep it success so that it is seen on the same level as the, uh, you know, the PGA Tour, the golfing? Well, let, let's, we've we got to understand where our real problems lie. Structure, as I mentioned. But the next big thing is our bowlers, our people that are presenting their opinions to the media, whether it's the, the elite-level bowler or the league bowler or any of those that are frustrated in between. They're presenting a very negative aura about our sport. And to be honest with you, we don't need to blame the USBC or any of the other parts of our industry. We need to look in the mirror and think about what we're saying. If you love this sport, and I'll be a little blunt here, just shut up. Quit saying the stuff you're saying. Quit saying in social media quit putting a negative aura around our sport because the reason you're saying that many of these people are saying is because they're unexperienced, they're ill-informed. And you know, the, the challenge, the basic uniqueness of our sport is we are the only sport that's a battle with an invisible course. That invisible aspect is fantastic. It, it separates us from other sports, but it also creates confusion and requires us to have a better marketing uh, method, I should say. 
to give the respect and the pride that we need in our sport. Now, you want to fix it? Here's what you do. It's no different than a swimming pool. Exact same thing. You go to a swimming pool, you have your people down the shallow end that are splashing around, and they're just having fun, and they're laughing and giggling. Maybe they don't even know how to swim. And then you got in the middle of the area, you've got your laps, where people like to swim laps because they're, they like to, you know, physically train to swim. They're very involved in that. Well, when that swimmer goes down into that recreational area, there's a fight. <laughs> they don't get along. In bowling, we don't separate them. Let the, let the shallow end of the pool be for fun. Let them do whatever they got to do to have fun. And then build an area where those lap swimmers can go. Those people who want to get better, that are naturally competitive, just give them a place to go, but keep them separated. We need lifeguards to separate them to make sure that they're not fighting. And right now, we have people saying things that, that are so ill-informed. And the reason they're saying it is because they truly believe it. But they're ill-informed. They don't have any respect because they don't, they just don't know. They don't have the experience. Let them choose where they want to go. Don't force the recreational swimmer into the lap area. Don't try to tell him that you have to bowl on this tough condition. Don't tell them that we're going to take this away from you. What we have right now in our sport should be declared recreational bowling because we've let it go too long. Let what we have presently be called recreational bowling and redefine the sport. Make it obviously different. Make it unique. Make it entertaining. Make it whatever we need for the media, uh, for the fans, the unknowledgeable viewers to enjoy it. That's how we fix it. I want to hit on one thing that you just talked about, which is a bowler's voicing their complaints and concerns. So where is then the best place or way to voice a concern? Because as a bowler, let's say I go bowl a tournament this weekend, and out of, a, out of the cut, there's, uh, they cut, the tw- cut 12 bowlers out of 50 or 48, whatever the number is, and three-quarters of the field that make, or three-quarters of the guys who make the cut are lefties. So mm-hmm. I go to social media and I say, well, that was a great tournament to bowl. You know, shut out the righties. Uh, you know, eight of 12 lefties made the cut and, and so on and so on. Now, mm-hmm. is that something that I should bring up to the tournament? Now, that would be perceived as complaining and, and everything and, and rightfully so. Um, it, but is there a time that bowlers should voice their concerns? Is it just the way they're voicing their concerns? Uh, the manner, uh, the respectfulness, because... Well, bowlers, bowlers will complain. Bowlers will complain, and they need their place to go. But as with any sport, you have to regulate it. If you need an area for them to complain, create a, create a website that's called Bowler and Bitchers. I don't care. Call <laughs> whatever you want to call it. But give them a place, but make it said right out front, this is an area for people to just complain. You know, that's all we're here for. And don't complain about them complaining. Let them complain. But then also, if you are a professional bowler, if you are a part of a team environment, if you're part of something that is involved and concerned about the sport, you should understand the value of flooding, uh, overpowering, restricting, regulating, 
media content, media things that are being delivered. We need to make sure that more positive things are being said than negative things. And if you care about the sport, if you're a true ambassador for a sport, if you truly love a sport, you understand the uh, importance of there's a place and time. And, and I don't think bowlers understand that. So let's give them a place. Let's give them a time to complain if they feel like they need to. But let's preface it. Let everybody know that this is what you can expect from this area. And, uh, you know, make it, if, if that's necessary, if people feel that need, that at the same time we have to parallel that with, with things such as Bowl U, and that's, you will see that anybody that's ever gone to a Bowl U camp, their respect for the sport skyrockets. I mean, maybe a hundredfold. Uh, and those are the types of things that we, those that care, the ambassador, uh, ambassadors of our sport need to be doing. I think that you're right, and I think that there has to be the 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 thing I would add is there's a there's a time and a place and a way to bring up your concerns, and sometimes it is on the internet, and sometimes it isn't on the internet, and sometimes it's in private with the person who may be running the tournament. Sometimes it may be um, with someone at a higher up, someone at the USBC. Um, I know that's one of the things that you know for years we heard, and this is where I think. And complaining is is a bit strong here, but there were people that were uh, Jeff Riggles was one of the main main guys, I guess, who led the fact that he wanted that uh, having the doubles and singles bowled on fresh fresh oil at the USBC Open here, which we have every year, and eventually, finally, it happened. You know, but at first it was you'd bowl team, and then you'd bowl doubles and singles following uh, your team, and you'd bowl on whatever, and. and so there's where I think you can you can voice a concern and, and the manner and how you do it is key as opposed to just going on some forums posting you know anonymously and constantly you know ripping folks and and uh, and making negative you know bringing a negative light to our bowling because I got to be honest Rick I haven't um I haven't done a golf league I haven't done so I don't know if there's this sort of thing in in other leagues too where it's it's always that sort of thing if people in in their local golf leagues complain and are never happy and uh, and everything, but I do think bowlers do it. But let's let's move along because you hit on your time at Brunswick, so let's talk about the sale of Brunswick and and where you th- see that going and how you see that affecting bowling and bowlers. You know, I've, I I have what what I would like to call good friends within Brunswick, and 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 I I think of them first and foremost. But when I look at Brunswick itself and the evolution of Brunswick. At Brunswick started as a business and grew because they have people that not only were they intelligent business-wise, but they had a passion for what they were doing, a passion for the sport and a real purpose. My last five years at Brunswick, I saw that disappearing. I saw that going away. I was listening to people that I didn't believe in. Decisions were being made that didn't make sense. The management were listening to people that really weren't the experts. They were doing things that were not good, basically because they didn't understand. The management was making decisions based upon uh, the people they surrounded them with. And a good leader surrounds them with, surrounds themselves with people um, that, that are informed, that are knowledgeable. They don't have to be the smartest themselves, but they need to surround themselves with the right people. I feel that Brunswick 
certain aspects of Brunswick were fantastic. I think the bowling center business was productive. But I remember conversations where they would say, yes, it's profitable, but we have to invest, you know, uh, $3 million to make $4 million. Whereas in this venture, we can invest $1 million and make $5 million. You know, so from a business perspective, it didn't make sense. Um, the, uh, the move to Mexico made sense to me. The way they did it didn't make sense to me. Uh, there's a lot of things that were going on, but if you don't understand the bowling culture, the messages were being delivered incorrectly. And, and I don't know what the future has in front of us. I don't know what AMF's plans are. I've never been a big AMF plan or, or fan, but I will tell you that I'm okay with Brunswick turning it over because I, the people that used to have the passion, the people that I believed in were disappearing within Brunswick. And you hit on, hit on a couple of key points. It seems like there was a definite um, learning curve when everything was shipped over and went down to Mexico. But honestly, now it seems like the equipment coming out of the Brunswick camp and the Deviate folks is, is really solid. And it seems like all the companies have really, you know, picked up their game for a while it seemed like you know Storm was head and shoulders above everyone, and it seems like the other companies. I'm not saying Storm has has dropped in their uh, productivity and their effectiveness, but it seems like the other companies have just stepped up to um, to you know really pick up their game, and and all the companies seem to be putting out some really good pieces these days. Well, when when we talk about bowling balls, and we talk, we, we ultimately have to talk about ball motion. I will tell you that anybody that says a storm ball and a Brunswick ball rolls the same, I'm going to tell them they're wrong. They don't. I'm going to add an or an ebonite ball. Ebonite and Brunswick are fairly close. Storm is nowhere near the other companies, and there's a reason for that, and that is that basically their their restrictions with the the product, the cover stock, the material that they use are dramatically different. And bowling is, always has been, and always will be about oil movement. I can tell you when Brunswick's success began to fail. And this is the relationship between the, the oil and the cover stock is very, very important. When uh, the PBA was using defense oil. The Brunswick balls that I were using, I felt like I had an advantage. But when they quit using defense oil, the next day, the first day, it's like, wow, <laughs> a ball doesn't look the same. It looks like it rolls earlier, and it looks like it does less down lane. It's more sensitive to the oil movement. So, when they went to offense oil, and, and for a short period of time, they had tour offense oil. Brunswick cover stocks, man, they were very sensitive. So the layout was more important, the surface preparation. I had to change cover stocks in bowling balls more often. It made a dramatic, dramatic difference. So it's not that necessarily that the balls are bad, because to me, a good ball is one. If, if I make 100 of them and 90 of them are the same, that's a pretty darn good ball. But when I get make 100 balls and 50 of them are like this, and you know that was the problems we had with the transition from Muskegon down to Mexico. It wasn't that the balls were bad. It's that I went out to drill a ball, and I wasn't sure what it was going to do. 
So the consistency of those balls that were being made were the problem. And the combination between the, the oil, the chemical makeup of the oil, the chemical makeup of the cover stock of the ball changes the, the performance. So uh, if, if I was within Brunswick, and <laughs> I would have been focusing heavily on the oils more so than the cover stock because the quality of their cover stock and the quality of their chemical provider was very good. That there, the, the change in the oils made a huge difference. And I could tell you, it was like flipping a switch because I was at Brunswick when that happened. Great stuff, Rick. I think we're going to leave it at that. We have lots of good stuff. We could continue on and on and, and hit on. <laughs> it seems like we could keep talking forever here, but I know you have to run and, and, um, and just, just lots of great stuff, and we're going to have to have you back again. So I do want to have you mention one more time quickly for both you folks here that are stateside, where can we find out information? Where can we maybe go to one of these camps? I'm looking right now at your website. Looks like you had some great stuff. You got Brad Angelo was one of the guys who you mentioned training earlier. Brad Angelo looks like he was one of the guys who did some training um, and is, is doing some camps for you. So talk about some of the stuff you got going on and where folks here stateside can, can you know, take advantage of some of these classes. Well, first of all, I think if you're, you know, if you're interested in something different, if you're interested in understanding, you know, the foundation of our sport better, please, please stay in touch with bowlu.com. Check out my Facebook page. Follow the coaches that are part of it. We've got uh, some very important people involved. And uh, when I say this, I think it's very important that I'm building up to the first quarter of 2015. All of the things that you see on my Facebook page and on the website are all about building up to a huge announcement the first quarter of 2015. So you will see these things. We have a Coaches United program. We have uh, different formats of competition. We have certification. We have many, many things that are coming down the pipe. And I suggest you just kind of keep your eyes open, visit my page, visit the website, and be ready for 2015. Great stuff as always, Rick. Uh, all the best of luck over there in Saudi Arabia, and we will talk to you soon.